0: A reading from the book of Matthew chapter 23 verses 1 through 7 verses 13 through 15 and verses 23 through 38 excuse me 28 then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples the scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat therefore do whatever they teach you and follow it but not do as they do for they do not practice what they teach They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on the shoulders of others, but they themselves are unwilling to lift a finger to move them. They do all their deeds to be seen by others, for they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long. They love to have the place of honor at banquets and the best seats in the synagogues and to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to have people call them rabbi. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you lock people out of the kingdom of heaven. For you do not go in yourselves, and when others are going in, you stop them. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you cross sea and land to make a single convert, and you make the new convert twice as much a child of hell as yourselves. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, For you tithe mint, dill, and cumin, and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. It is these you ought to have practiced without neglecting the others. You blind guides, you strain out a gnat, but swallow a camel. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup so that the outside also may become clean. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which on the outside look beautiful, but inside they are full of the bones of the dead and of all kinds of filth. So you also on the outside look righteous to others, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness." This is the word of God for the people of God.
1: Thank you, Diane, for reading our scripture this morning. Good morning, everybody. My name's Emily. I'm part of the pastoral team here at Ebenezer. And this time when we gather together for worship here and online, it's the best part of my week. And I would never want to miss it. I hope the same is true for you. Except I, I had to miss it last week, <laughs> and I'm sorry about that. I was at a pastors' conference in Arizona, and then my flight got canceled, and we were stuck in Denver on Sunday morning. But I want to tell you about that pastors' conference. It was four clergy, the senior pastors of some of the most incredible churches, uh, United Methodist churches across the country, and it was an honor for Ebenezer to be invited to be included in that because Ebenezer is a pretty incredible church. Thanks be to God. And yay, yeah, so it was an honor for us to be included in that. And in that week, it was informational, it was inspirational, and I got to hear stories from so many different clergy and pastors, um, from different churches about the incredible things that God is doing. And it made me so hopeful and excited about the present and the future of our church together. And my husband went with me. But unfortunately, he came back with COVID and along with the luggage. So um, he's been sick all week and and I have not been. I don't know why, but I'm thankful for that. But I'm wearing a mask today. You'll see me doing that. And, and I just want to be extra cautious and I will not be helping to serve communion today. And I wanted you to know why. Uh, part of my job as a pastor is to help take care of you. So that's why I'll be keeping my distance a little bit today. Um, so and please keep my husband in your prayers. He'll be. Today we are continuing our sermon series called Journey to the Cross. We are in the Gospel of Matthew for the whole of the series and it starts with the time that Jesus enters Jerusalem on a donkey and goes all the way through till when Jesus gives up himself for us on a cross. We'll be spending time slowly walking through this holy week. And today we're in chapter Matthew 23. Matthew chapter 23. And I invite you, if you want to dig a little deeper than the sermons, you're welcome to go to our digital bulletin or Right Now Media. The pastoral team actually sat in here and made videos about the scripture for all of these services. And we invite you to check out those videos use videos and find out more. Uh, Would you pray with me as we prepare to journey to the cross together? Lord, we love you. Uh, We are seeking the opportunity to grow even more, to be more and more real in our relationship with you. So Lord, whatever it is that we brought in here today or whatever it is that we sit with online, Lord, we offer that up to you. Lay it at your feet. May the words of our mouths, the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, O Lord. For you are our refuge. You are our savior. You are our rock and our redeemer. And it is in your name that we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Well, when uh, when you're a pastor... Everyone is a critic (laughs) When I first started out in ministry, I was told that pastors need to have three qualities Uh, The mind of a scholar The heart of a child and the hide of a rhinoceros (laughs) They weren't kidding (laughs) People love to tell pastors when they think we mess up Including our own family, especially our own kids When it comes to preaching, kids love to tell their pastor moms and pastor dads what they messed up on a Sunday morning. When we tripped up, when we were walking somewhere, when we couldn't remember how the Lord's Prayer started, when we got our words mixed up or stumbled over them, when we got lost in a sermon, all the things that we do and we can't remember somebody's name. They love to point that out. (laughs) And one of my clergy friends, Pastor Randy Orndorff, some of you may know him, Told me that when he, uh, well, he's still pastoring up in Alexandria, but he said on Sunday afternoon after church, when his kids were growing up, what they loved to do at Sunday dinner was critique whatever he had done that morning and tell him all the ways that he had messed up. And his daughter Kelsey, when she was a teenager, before she died, would always give him the same critique, he said. She would say, Dad, just keep it real. You're not trying to impress anybody Just make it genuine. Be yourself and be authentic. Keep it real, Dad. Keep it real. That's what really matters, right? Keeping it real is what Jesus is talking about in our scripture passage today. That's the goal. A faith so real that it comes from the heart. A faith so real that we are changed by the grace of Jesus Christ. Transformed. And who we are and what we say and what we do and how we act and what matters to us. An authentic faith is one that keeps it real. That's open and honest and vulnerable inside and out. And when it's not real in any way, Jesus likes to point that out and help us grow. Today's passage that Diane read for us is a tough one. It's a tough one to hear. It raises within me uh, prickly things, things that need to change. And that's not a bad thing. When we read a text that challenges us, it's good to sit with the questions that it raises to pray about it and see how God would have us grow and what we can learn from it. So let's dig in. If you got your Bibles with you or your Bible app, turn with me to Matthew chapter 23. And while you're doing that, let me give you a little context. Uh, this gospel was written around 90 A.D. or C.E. And that matters because that was a time, a messy time of transition for the early church. The Christian church was emerging and beginning to form as something built on and yet different from the Jewish faith. And the primary rivals at the time were scribes and Pharisees. So the language used against them is pretty strong because that's the beginning of this time of differentiation and separation for the followers of Jesus as they're beginning to learn how to uh, define themselves and form their identity based on Jesus Christ. So they're pushing back against some of their heritage. So I want to share with you something about this text as well. Because I need to give a word of caution. This text has been used by some over the generations in a harmful way as an attack against Judaism. And you need to know that that is not the intent of this passage at all. And I just need to name that. So I invite you to hear this passage today instead in all of its fullness which means hearing it in its original context as much as we can and applying it in our context today to ourselves, our hearts, our lives. And when we do that, this text can get prickly in a healthy way for all of us. So Jesus is talking to crowds and to those closest to him, his disciples. And he says that the scribes and Pharisees sit on Moses' seat, which means in a place of authority. And he says that the scribes and Pharisees are um, doing things about. Well, how would I say that? Speaking of tripping over words in a sermon, um, how would I say that? Well, think about it like Jesus is the critic coming to the Sunday dinner. And he's pointing out to the scribes and Pharisees how they're messing up. Think of it that way. What he does not like about what they're doing. And he points out three primary concerns about them not being real. And we'll get to those in a minute. First, I want to share with you who scribes and Pharisees are. Scribes were a bit like attorneys, professionally trained in interpreting religious law. Pharisees were a sect of Judaism, and they emphasized a strict observance of religious law. They were known for focusing on a literal and legalistic interpretation. And some of the scribes and Pharisees had problems with Jesus and they were critics of his. They criticized his interpretation and practice of the law because he didn't interpret it quite the same way that they did. For Jesus, it matters what's behind the law, right? Motives and attitudes matter as he shared in the Sermon on the Mount earlier in this gospel. Jesus focuses on the heart of the law because doctrine is only one part of an equation in faith a lived life is the meat of it the two go together that brings us today to jesus first primary critique about keeping it real essentially he says beliefs and life matter would you say that with me beliefs and life matter there's doctrine And then there's who we are on a Tuesday afternoon when things are not going our way. Scribes and Pharisees may have some good teaching, Jesus says, but don't follow what they do. Their words and life don't match. Faith was not meant to be a belief system only. Faith is meant to turn into a lived life. A transformed life by the grace of Jesus Christ that lives out love, compassion and grace, the fruits of the Holy Spirit. It's like if we talk about being saved and check off that box, but in reality we act like a jerk, that's the critique. Or if we can memorize and spout Bible verses, but in reality treat other people rudely or are prejudiced or hypercritical, that's the critique. If our talk about faith turns other people off to it or off to the church, like it's a heavy burden on somebody's shoulders, that's the critique. Jesus says faith is not only words or belief. Who we are in our lived life matters. And in United Methodist theology, we teach both. We teach that faith is both personal holiness about our relationship with God and social holiness about how we live that out in our relationship with others, loving God and loving others. It's never one without the other. It's always both in all times and all places, beliefs and life matter. Jesus' second critique today is similar to the first one. I'll put it this way the inside matters say that with me the inside matters it's like the first critique taken deeper the first one's about belief and practice this one is about practice and the heart Jesus is talking about phylacteries fringes plates cups and whitewashed tombs what's that about Phylacteries, uh, fringes, plates and cups have to do with external appearances. Phylacteries and fringes were something people wore. They were these overt symbols of faith. Jesus said they were outwardly making this good show of religious practice, but not in a healthy way. When our religious practice is done for recognition or to be seen by others or to make some kind of impression. Jesus says it's not genuine. That's the critique. Like Pastor Randy's daughter Kelsey said, we're not here to impress anybody. So for whom are we really doing it? Jesus asks. What would an outward show of faith be today? I had trouble thinking of a good example. Is that like waving a Bible around? Is it what we wear? Is it social media posts? I don't know, you tell me what you think, please, would be a good example of that. Jesus questions our motives behind any outward display of faith. Because what's going on inside the heart matters, and we need to keep it real. Look at the whitewashed tombs Jesus talks about. What are those? People traveled distances to celebrate Passover in Jerusalem. And by religious law, they had to be considered clean in order to do that, to participate. So after coming all that way, if a person touched something dead, it would, by religious law, make them unclean and unable to participate. So the tombs were whitewashed like a public service. So you wouldn't inadvertently, unintentionally touch one and not be able to be part of Passover. Jesus is pointing to those whitewashed tombs and cleaned cups saying that those may look good on the outside but what matters is what's going on inside that might be dead or not clean after all because Jesus wants us to be authentic all the way through inside and out not whitewashed or covered up Jesus wants to transform every bit of who we are, right? The inside matters, our motives, thoughts, attitudes, actions. Jesus says not to aim for recognition like some of the scribes and Pharisees, but aim for a pure heart, aim for a humble heart, that we take up our cross, deny ourselves, and follow Jesus, even if no one sees or notices. A life of faith is never for recognition or the praise of people. We live our lives for the audience of one, right? Following God from the heart, whether anyone notices it or not. Who we are deep down is important to Jesus because the inside matters. That takes us to Jesus' third critique for us today about keeping things real. And it's this, keeping the main thing, the main thing matters. Would you say that with me? Keeping the main thing, the main thing matters. Don't mix mountains and molehills. Jesus says the scribes and Pharisees follow the law so closely that they have made a mountain out of it. They've made it the main thing. And by doing so, they've missed the point. He's referring to Leviticus chapter 27, which says to give one tenth of everything to God, livestock, produce and more. The scribes and Pharisees are so good at it. They take it so literally that they're tithing down to the tiniest little herbs in the garden, the mint, the dill, the cumin. And they've made the law then the mountain, putting their emphasis there, missing the main thing, Jesus says, which is a life of justice and mercy and faith. In today's language, we would say they're missing the forest for the trees. Jesus says they're straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel. (laughs) Their jargon was a little different back then. (laughs) Pointing out others' violations of the law is what they were about, not realizing that in doing that they were missing the heart of it themselves. Jesus says, keep the main thing the main thing. He's named that as well, just one page back in your Bible, in Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 to 40. He says the two biggest main things are loving God and loving our neighbors in the same way that we love ourselves. Those are never molehills, always the mountains. And if we try to make a mountain out of something else, we've elevated some molehill to an unhealthy place in our lives and hearts. Don't mix up the mountains and the molehills. Keeping the main thing, the main thing matters. So now let's take this uncomfortable passage and let it not be about something of the past. Let it be about the present. And let Jesus critique and sit at our tables on a Sunday afternoon. Critique us this Lent. That's what Lent's about, right? Lent is this season of self-examination and reflection and repentance. So here are some questions about which to pray. You might want to jot a couple of them down. How are we keeping faith real or not? What inconsistencies are there between our beliefs and our everyday life? What would Jesus say about our insides, our attitudes and thoughts? Who are we trying to impress With faith. Anybody? What's behind that? And how are we sorting out our mountains and molehills? Is it like Jesus wants? How is Jesus inviting us then to grow? Every time I read this uncomfortable passage, it becomes for me this time of self-examination. It's prickly in that holy way. It's like Jesus has come to Sunday dinner at my house, pointing out things that need some work. Truth is, we're all imperfect when it comes to living out faith. Scribes and Pharisees aren't the only ones. Every one of us makes mistakes. Every one of us needs some work. We all do. Thanks be to God, Jesus meets us where we are in grace and helps us to grow by it. So what does this passage look like if you apply it to normal everyday life? Well, I heard a story at that conference last week that I think fits it really well. There was a church that was talking about how they made signs for the church members and congregation to put in their front yards. What did those signs say? They said, love your neighbor. And this was at a time when the community was rife with polarization and aggression. And there was a bunch of mess going on. And politics are always messy. All that stuff. And so the church thought, well, we'll make an impact in the community and make these signs. Well, they gave them out. So there was a gentleman who took one of those signs and proudly put it in his front yard. Love your neighbor. But doggone it, if the man next door didn't do the same thing. He had a sign that said. Love your neighbor. Two men had no idea. They both went to the same church. It was a big church. They would never seen each other in there before. And it turns out those two men did not love their neighbors. In fact they couldn't stand each other. Even their next door neighbors. They had been arguing for years. About lawn mowers. And whose leaves from which tree. Landed on what parts of the grass. Between their two houses. And they hadn't spoken in any. Ages Hated each other. Couldn't stand each other. But there they go. Leave the house to go to work. See that sign. Leave work. Come home. See that sign. Every day. It's like this passage. It becomes this prickly, uncomfortable thing. Every day. Twice a day or more. To see that sign. Saying, love your neighbor. And they knew they needed to make it real. Because number one, right? Beliefs and life matter. The men believed... You need to love your neighbors, but they didn't really want to do it. <laughs> they felt Jesus nudging them to change. And number two, right? The inside matters. Those signs looked great, didn't they? This impressive outward show of faith. Oh, but their hearts were not in it. And they felt Jesus nudging them to change. And that third one, keeping the main thing, the main thing matters. They had made lawnmowers and grass and leaves the mountain. Loving your neighbor? Uh, They had made that one of their molehills. Don't mix them up. They felt Jesus nudging them to change. And one sunny day, that's exactly what happened. The men were both out in their front yards doing something with grass, and eventually they started talking and laughed about the signs, and relationship began again, right? They started forgiving each other, forgiving themselves, and they started saying, we really blew that one, didn't we? (laughs) And they started to make loving your neighbor something real. And it was this incredible witness then to the rest of the street, This pastor said when he told that story. Faith was never meant to be only a system of belief. It's meant to be a life lived with a genuine heart inside and out focused on what Jesus has told us are the main things. Today, may we all hear Jesus critique like Pastor Randy's daughter, Kelsey, speaking to all of us that when it comes to being a disciple, keep it real, brothers and sisters. Just keep it real. That's what matters. Down to the bone. Amen. And amen.